Uh, for those of you guys who don't know me, I'm Jeff. I'm a pastoral intern over here at HMCC of Jakarta, and it's my privilege to be preaching the Word of God for us today. Uh, before we begin, let me just share a couple of important notes. First, the sermon notes and manuscript are, av are available on our website, uh, jakarta.hmcc.net, and you can refer to them to help you follow along in the sermon. And then second, let's try to put aside any distractions that we have so we can give our full attention to God's Word. Okay, so today uh, we'll be continuing our sermon series on Rediscover Jesus, where we're studying the book of Luke in order to learn more about who Jesus is and what he did and what he has to do with our lives today. So let's get started with today's sermon called Following Jesus. Okay, so first I have a question for you guys. How many of you guys have, have ever made a New Year's resolution? You know, something that you wanted to start doing in the new year. You know, for some of you, maybe it was uh, to exercise more, or to eat healthier, or to save more money, or maybe to spend more time with family and friends, you know, or maybe you have some other uh, things that you wanted to do as well. You know, these are just some examples of the most common things that people want to do in the new year, but many actually have trouble committing to these things wholeheartedly. Research shows that 80% of people actually abandoned their New Year's resolutions by the beginning of February. So that's in less than one month. And then most people admit that this is because of lack of self-discipline. So it turns out, you know, most people were not committed wholeheartedly. They were actually committed half-heartedly. So then when uh, things get too uncomfortable or other more important priorities pop up, these resolutions get dropped. And it's actually similar with our followership of Jesus. You know, we may want to learn more about who Jesus is, and we may want to follow Jesus. And perhaps for some, for some of us, to know and follow Jesus for the first time. But many actually have trouble committing to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Turns out, you know, many follow Jesus only half-heartedly. So again, once things get too uncomfortable, or other more important priorities pop up, Jesus gets dropped. So the one thing for us today is to follow Jesus wholeheartedly by making him our highest priority. Follow Jesus wholeheartedly with all of our hearts by making him our highest priority. If you have your Bibles with you, or if you have the Bible app, uh, please turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, today we'll be reading from Luke 9, verses 57 to 62. 57 to 62. Uh, so far in the book of Luke, Jesus and his disciples have been proclaiming the kingdom of God and, and doing miracles in the region of Galilee. Uh, but then a couple of weeks ago, we learned that Jesus began to set his face to go to Jerusalem because it was almost time for his ministry on earth to end. Because Jerusalem is going to be the final place where Jesus would be arrested and then crucified and then die on the cross for the sins of man. So on their way to Jerusalem, you know, Jesus and his disciples passed a Samaritan village whose people rejected them. So then they left that village and then now they're going along the road making their way to the next village. And this is where God's narrative continues. So let's read Luke 9 verses 57 to 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, 
but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is God's word. So we'll take a look at this passage in three parts. So how do we follow Jesus wholeheartedly? By making him our highest priority. So first, prioritize Jesus above our comfort, verses 57 to 58. And then second, prioritize Jesus above our responsibilities, verses 59 to 60. And then lastly, third, prioritize Jesus above our relationships, verses 61 to 62. So first, prioritize Jesus above our comfort. Verse 57 again says this, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So as Jesus and his disciples were gradually making their way to the next village, you know, I imagine that someone you know, power walked their way you know, to catch up to Jesus and then said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, if we think about it, you know, that's a bold statement, right? That's like the ultimate resolution. That's not something that you just say every day. So I wonder if this person truly understood what he just said, you know, what it truly means to follow Jesus wherever he was going. Because unlike this person, we know exactly where Jesus was going. Jesus was intentionally going to Jerusalem to be crucified, to die on the cross for the sins of man as our substitute. And then we also know from the book of Acts that later on, just like Jesus, his followers would also be persecuted and then arrested, tortured, and killed because of their faith. You know, most likely, that's not what this person had in mind when he made his resolution. Perhaps he had other expectations. And just like him, you know, perhaps some of us also have other expectations that following Jesus would provide us with certain blessings, that it would guarantee our good health, that it will provide us financial wealth, companionship, and a comfortable life. Because sinfully, our desire is to want more comfort, more money, more success, and more worldly pleasures. And based on how Jesus would reply to this person, it seems that Jesus knew that deep inside this person's heart, his highest priority was actually not Jesus, but it was his own personal sense of comfort. Because let's see how Jesus replied in verse 58. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So for foxes, underground holes are like a home. You know, they're a place of shelter where they can sleep and be secure against outside threats. And then for birds, nests are also like a home. They're a safe and comfortable place where they can raise their young and then, be, and then be secure from predators. But unlike foxes and birds that have a place to call home, Jesus is saying that the Son of Man, so Jesus himself, does not even have a place 
to lay his head. Because remember that at this time, Jesus and his disciples were traveling from village to village. They had no permanent home. But what Jesus is highlighting here is actually not just a physical home. It's much more than that. Because, because for many people, including for us, our homes represent something more. It represents our biggest source of comfort. It's where we feel the most safe and, and where we feel most at ease, both physically and mentally. You know, physically, we can come into our homes, lock the door behind us, and then have peace of mind that we're safe. And then mentally, our homes are where we can be ourselves. We can just lay on the bed, be with the people that we love, and be surrounded by the things that are valuable to us. Our homes represent our ultimate comfort zone. So when Jesus says that he has nowhere to lay his head, he means that following him will not always be comfortable, that following Jesus will take us out of our comfort zone. And if we take a look at Luke's narrative, you know, disciples of Jesus have been commanded to do things that are not comfortable. They've been commanded to leave everything behind and to follow him. And they're also commanded to proclaim the kingdom of God to other villages and risk getting rejected. And then two weeks ago, we also learned how they, how they were commanded to love their enemies and even to show them mercy, even to the Samaritans who rejected them. So following Jesus will take us out of our comfort zone, both physically and mentally. But this is what it means to follow Jesus, you know, that, that we make him our highest priority, even above our comfort. And it, and it means that we love and serve God by loving and serving others, and at times, even before ourselves. So, you know, that will be a bit uncomfortable at times. You know, even for us today, just think of some of the things that we have to do as a church. You know, accepting that we're sinners in need of a savior. You know, that's not very comfortable. And then reaching out to new people and discipling other brothers and sisters. That will also take us out of our comfort zone. And that will take uh, the sacrifice of our time, energy, money, and other, re and other resources. And then in our discipling relationships, you know, when we're committed to speak truth and to lovingly rebuke our brothers and sisters, that will also put us in uncomfortable situations. But again, prioritizing Jesus means going out of our comfort zone, to love and serve Jesus by loving and serving others, even when it's uncomfortable for us. But, you know, when we make Jesus our highest priority, you know, something amazing happens. Prioritizing Jesus transforms how we view our comfort. The more we follow Jesus, you know, the more we see that He is our source of comfort, now and forever. We can be comforted in knowing that God loves us so much that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus took on the punishment that we deserve, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, Jesus himself has provided the one and only way for us to be there with him in heaven. And just as Jesus was, was with his disciples as they headed to Jerusalem, 
Jesus is also with us today as we head to New Jerusalem, to heaven, you know, to be with God forever. So though following Jesus now, you know, may put us in uncomfortable situations, our discomfort is only temporary because heaven is to be our eternal home, you know, a place where we can have eternal comfort in God's presence. And we don't even have to wait till then. Like, even while we're still on earth today, we can experience God's comfort. You know, he loves us and he provides for us with everything that we need. Because if we think about it, you know, if God provides foxes with holes and birds of the air with nests, then how much more will he provide us, his children, with our daily needs? And then as we walk with Jesus daily, you know, God has also provided us with brothers and sisters to encourage us to keep following Jesus even when things get uncomfortable. You know, this is such a great gift, and we'll talk more about this at the end. For now, let's be reminded to follow Jesus wholeheartedly by first, prioritizing Jesus above our comfort, and then second, prioritize Jesus above our responsibilities. So let's return to God's narrative. Uh, verse 59 says this, to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. So after the previous interaction, you know, Jesus and his disciples continued to make their way to the next village. Then I imagine you know, that another person, you know, power walked you know, past the disciples and then caught up with Jesus. But this time, you know, note how Jesus was the one who spoke first. And then he said to this person, follow me. You know, these are the same words that Jesus said to Levi you know, earlier in chapter 5. And then how did Levi respond? He got up, left everything, and he followed Jesus. You know, Levi and the rest of the 12 apostles exemplified the only proper response to Jesus' command to follow him, which is to fully obey. But that's not how this second person responded. You know, instead, you know, this second person said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Initially, this sounds like a reasonable request, right? But if we look past his words, you know, what did this person actually mean? You know, I, I believe there's a couple uh, of possible scenarios here. You know, either one, his father might have just died, or two, his father was actually still alive. Now, if his father just died, then the Jewish custom at the time usually, usually consists of a burial ceremony that takes one year from the time that the body was initially buried to when the bones were finally placed in a chest. So if this was the case, then what the person was actually saying was, Lord, let me first take care of this responsibility, and then I'll follow you in about one year. Or, you know, if his father was still alive, then what he might have meant was, Lord, let me first live with my father and to take care of him until he dies, and then I'll follow you. You know, either way, it, it seems like this person, you know, unlike Levi, was not able to follow Jesus immediately. You know, he had some other responsibilities that he had to do. But, but what's, what's happening at the moment? You know, let's imagine that. Jesus is going to keep walking to Jerusalem. 
if this person heads back home, you know, he may never see Jesus again. So there's a sense of urgency here in following Jesus. But then for many of us, you know, like this second person, you know, we don't feel that sense of urgency either. And so we tend to prioritize other responsibilities. And we say, you know, Lord, let me first finish school. Lord, let me first get a job. Let me first reach a certain level of financial security. Lord, let me first get married. Let me first have children. Let me first retire. Then I'll follow you more seriously. You know, our sinful tendency is to prioritize our own responsibilities above Jesus. You know, perhaps we do this because we believe you know, that, that once everything on our list is checked off, then our lives will finally be complete that will finally be happy perfectly. But if we wait till everything is done and checked off, then the truth is we'll never follow Jesus because our to-do list will never end. Because once one thing is settled, another thing will just pop up, right? That's how it is for us. And most likely, you know, that's, how, that's also how it was for this person. You know, perhaps once he's buried his father, He'll ask for more time to be with his mother or to be with his wife and so forth. You know, his to-do list will never end. And based on how Jesus would reply to this person, you know, it seems that Jesus knew that deep inside this person's heart, you know, his highest priority was not Jesus, but it was his own personal responsibilities. Because this is how Jesus replied in verse 60. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The word dead here can have two different meanings. It can refer to the physically dead, but then it can also refer to the spiritually dead. The spiritually dead refers to those who are not alive in Christ, those who are not followers of Jesus. So essentially, what Jesus is saying here is, let those who are spiritually dead, those who are not my followers, let them focus on their own responsibilities, on things that are not of the kingdom of God. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But then as for you, who are spiritually alive, who are my true followers, your duty is to follow me and to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You know, what Jesus is saying is that following him means prioritizing this responsibility to proclaim the kingdom of God, to share the gospel or the good news that God's kingdom is here and that we must repent of our sins, put our faith in Jesus, and then live in such a way that pleases him. You know, this responsibility cannot get lost with all the other responsibilities that we have because both Christians and non-Christians have a lot of important responsibilities to do, right? But only Christians can proclaim the gospel to others. If not, no one else is going to do that. You know, but you know, this doesn't mean that we just drop all the other responsibilities that we have. You know, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Because being irresponsible, you know, that would not make us good witnesses of Christ. And being a good witness of Christ is one of the ways that we can proclaim the kingdom of God by revealing the gospel with our lives. 
by showcasing His love, His grace, mercy, and goodness unto others. But we cannot be good witnesses of Christ if we don't take care of our family, or if we're lazy in our jobs, or if, or if we treat others poorly. You know, we can be good witnesses by being a good friend, a good son or daughter, a good father or mother, a good worker, a good citizen, and so forth. We are to showcase Christ-like character to the world. And, you know, when we make Jesus our highest priority, you know, another amazing thing happens. It transforms how we view our responsibilities. You know, the more we follow Jesus, the more he is integrated into everything that we do. Right now, you know, how, how we view our responsibilities may be like a to-do list with our, most responsibility, with our most important responsibility on top and then the least important one on the bottom. And then for some of us, maybe Jesus is closer to the bottom. And then for some of us, maybe he's closer to the middle. But in order to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, we must make him our highest priority, you know, the very top of our list. But, you know, when we do that, you know, it doesn't mean we just forget about the other responsibilities. You know, again, being irresponsible and just dropping responsibilities, that would not make us a good witness. But what happens is that being a good witness and proclaiming the kingdom of God becomes integrated, becomes a part of everything that we do. You know, privately, it affects what we do when no one else is watching except God. And then publicly, you know, think about, you know, when we go to restaurants, it will affect how we'll treat our waiters. And then at work, it affects our diligence and how we'd want to build relationships with both Christian and non-Christian uh, coworkers. And then at church, it affects how we'll invest our time and energy into discipling uh, others. And then in our families, you know, it affects how we'll show care and patience to them even when we don't feel like it, and so forth. You know, we don't have to wait till our to-do list is completed till we follow Jesus and, and be good witnesses. In fact, we shouldn't wait because our to-do list will never end. So for those of us who truly believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, you know, if we truly believe that those who have not repented of their sins and have not put their, put their faith in Jesus will be punished in hell, then it's urgent for us to proclaim his good news now. And for those, uh, for those of us who haven't uh, put their faith in Jesus yet, you know, we invite you to know more about who Jesus is. You know, the one who, uh, Jesus who is fully God and fully man, the one who loves us and died for our sins so that we may be saved. You know, so you're more than welcome uh, to talk to me or to anyone around you uh, after the service in order to learn more. So again, let's follow Jesus wholeheartedly by first prioritizing Jesus above our comfort, and then second, prioritizing Jesus above our responsibilities, and then finally third, prioritize Jesus above our relationships. So after that uh, second interaction, you know, Jesus and his disciples continued to make their way to the next village. 
And then I imagine that yet another person, you know, power walked past the other travelers on the road and then finally caught up with Jesus. Verse 61 then says this, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. So just like the second person, you know, this, this third person's request actually sounds uh, reasonable, right? You know, before heading out with Jesus, you know, he just wanted to stop by his home and then say farewell to his family. You know, that in itself seems harmless, right? But, you know, we can catch a glimpse of his heart posture by what he says. I will follow you, Lord, but let me first, you know, that's a yellow flag. You know, it shows that there's a higher priority before Jesus, uh, above Jesus. And, and it's the same with us, you know. If, if Jesus were uh, to walk into this room right now, you know, perhaps some of us would be saying the same thing. Like, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first. And then whatever comes into our minds next is probably the thing that we prioritize above Jesus. Perhaps like this person, it's also related to our family. And that's just our tendency, is to not prioritize Jesus. Rather, it's to prioritize ourselves and our relationships. So again, based on how Jesus would reply to this person, it seems that Jesus knew that deep inside this person's heart, you know, his highest priority was not Jesus, but it was his own personal relationships. Because this is how Jesus replied in verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, this may sound a bit confusing to us, you know, but Jesus lived in an agricultural society where his audience would have understood what he meant here. So in farming, uh, to plow is to dig deep into the soil and then turning it over. You know, this is done using a tool uh, that's also called the plow, and the purpose uh, is to break and loosen the hard soil to make it easier uh, for seeds to sprout and for roots to grow. And then to plow effectively, uh, the farmer would have to constantly keep his hands on the plow, and then he needs to guide the oxen that are pulling the plow to go in straight lines. Now, the only way that the farmer can go in a straight line is if he focuses his eyes on one target at the end of the field. If the farmer gets distracted or loses his focus, you know, if he takes his hands off the plow or he keeps looking back and taking his eyes off his target, then not only will, will his lines be crooked, but the soil won't be properly prepared, and that would affect the harvest. So then essentially, the farmer would not be an effective farmer. So what Jesus is saying here is that his followers must focus on him and him alone in order to be fit and effective for the kingdom of God. Because if Jesus is not our highest priority, then we won't be able to follow him wholeheartedly, and we won't be able to proclaim the kingdom of God effectively. Now, essentially then, we won't be effective Christians. Now let's imagine, like, what would happen if we prioritize other relationships above Jesus? You know, then what happens if our family members don't want us to follow Jesus? You know, what if they don't want us to go to church or get baptized? 
What if they don't want us to talk about, what if they don't want us to talk about Jesus with others? You know, would we ultimately follow and obey Jesus or would we obey and try to please them? You know, at the end of the day, who will we listen to? If we prioritize other relationships, you know, then those relationships can pull us in different directions away from Jesus. We'd be like a farmer looking at man, many different directions at once while trying to plow straight. But, you know, if we firmly hold on to our faith in Jesus, like a farmer constantly holding on to his plow, and if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, like a farmer focusing on his one target, then we'll be able to walk a straight path that honors and pleases God. You know, not pleasing others, but pleasing God. You know, one way that we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus is to treat the Word of God as our supreme authority, as our one target, as our one focus point that will guide us to walk a straight path. So that means that even when like our family and friends or even today's cultural trends tell us what to do, you know, we can test what they say against Scripture, and then we can see whether what they say is aligned or not aligned with the Word of God. Again, when push comes to shove, who will we listen to? But to be clear, Jesus doesn't mean uh, that we shouldn't love our family members. Again, you know, we wouldn't be a good witness of Christ if we don't love our family and friends. God's word even commands us to honor our father and mother and to love our neighbors. You know, so it's clear that we're definitely to love our family and to say hi and to even say farewell to them. But Jesus is also clear that we are to prioritize our relationship uh, with him above our relationships with others. Because let's take a look at what Jesus says later on in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. This is what Jesus says. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. You know, this puts things in proper perspective. As followers of Jesus, yes, we are to love our family, but we're to love Jesus so much more that by comparison, our love for the people that we love the most seem like hate. You know, this may sound impossible or even unloving to our family members, right? But when we make Jesus our highest priority, yet another amazing thing happens. You know, it transforms how we view our relationships. We see that the best way to love our family is actually to love Jesus so much more than them. You know, because Jesus calls us to love others sacrificially, just as he loved his people sacrificially. You know, so this challenges us to continue to love our families, you know, even when they're not being lovable, or even when we don't feel like loving them. You know, so this means that if we love Jesus more, it's actually not unloving to our family. It's actually the most loving thing that we can do for them. You know, personally for me, Loving Jesus more 
has certainly helped me love my family more. You know, if you know my sister, you, know, you can ask her to make sure that this is true. Before I came to know Jesus, you know, of course I still loved my family, but honestly, you know, I only showed love to them when I felt like it. But then when I didn't feel like it, maybe because I was too tired or too upset, you know, I could easily raise my voice at my sister. I've even thrown things before in frustration. You know, if you ask my family, they can tell you that I broke, I've broken a couple of remotes uh, and one cell phone. You know, but now, you know, as a follower of Christ, I'm to love God by sacrificially loving my family. So that means that even when I feel tired or upset, you know, if my, if my sister wants to talk to me about her difficult day, you know, then, then I'm not just going to raise my voice and tell her to leave. I'm, gonna, I'm going to listen to her patiently and then pray for her. You know, loving Jesus more you know, helps us to love our family more because Jesus teaches us to show them the same grace and mercy that God has shown us. And our God you know, is so gracious and merciful. You know, he chooses to love us you know, even when he knows that we're sinners because even then, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So as we near the end of the year, you know, let's be reminded that that's the Christmas story, you know, that Jesus, the Son of God, came from heaven to earth to save us from the bondage of sin and death. You know, God knows that, that we're in need of a Savior because He knows that as sinners, we won't able to live a, a perfect life. And it's the same with our followership of Christ. He knows that we won't be able to follow him perfectly either. You know, God knows that sometimes in our followership of Christ, we may stray away from the straight path. Or sometimes, you know, we may feel stuck, like we're not making any progress. You know, sometimes we may even feel like we're going backwards. You know, rest assured that even when those things happen, not only is God still with us, but he's so gracious and merciful that, that he's gifted us with brothers and sisters who can help us in our walk. You know, when, when we're straying away, others can point us back to Jesus. And then when we're feeling stuck, others can encourage us to keep our faith. And then when others are the ones struggling, you know, we can be the ones to then encourage them and pray for them. You know, so be encouraged that Jesus doesn't expect us to follow him perfectly, but we are to follow him wholeheartedly with a full commitment with all of our hearts. Now, before we close, uh, I'd like to share one interesting note. You know, the, author of, uh, the author of this book, Luke, you know, did not include exactly how each person responded to Jesus. So we don't know whether they ended up following Jesus or whether they did not. You know, perhaps this was done so that we could see ourselves in each of these individuals. You know, so we can ask ourselves, what's our response? Will we or will we not commit to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? To help us with our next steps, you know, there are three, three life applications that we can do. First, uh, reflect and repent of what you prioritize above Jesus. 
So first, think about your top priorities. You know, even new ones that might have popped up in 2022. You know, how have they how have they affected your followership of Jesus this year? And what do those priorities reveal about how you view your comfort, responsibilities, and relationships? You know, surrender those things to God and repent of the things that you prioritize above Jesus. And then second, prioritize your relationship with Jesus. You know, even if it's uncomfortable at times, you know, make adjustments to your schedule or to your to-do list so that you can be in God's word and spend time with Jesus daily. And then third, help others, you know, prioritize their relationship with Jesus. So again, even if it's uncomfortable at times, make adjustments to your schedule or to your to-do list in order to gather as a church and to help others follow Jesus. So let's uh, be reminded that Jesus does not expect us to follow him perfectly, but we are to follow him wholeheartedly. So the one thing again for us is to follow Jesus wholeheartedly by making him our highest priority. I'll close us in prayer uh, before Pastor Eric comes up to lead us in response. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, for loving us and for your grace and mercy that's never ending. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for saving us and for showing us that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Holy Spirit, uh, please do your work in our hearts so that we may surrender our comfort, our responsibilities, and our relationships into your hands. Uh, May we follow Jesus wholeheartedly, and may we encourage uh, one another to make Jesus our highest priority. Uh, Thank you, God, for everything. Uh, We love you, we praise you, and may everything that we do be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.